0: are in a series. This is part three of a series called Love First. And the reason that I am particularly excited about this series is love is the very first thing to which we are called as followers of Jesus. We know this. We hear Jesus over and over say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. All the other laws and the prophets hang on that law. Love God, right? We hear hear that over and over. And so we're focusing for the next uh, few weeks, in fact, one more week, Um, on this topic of what it means to love first. And so today what I'm going to do is I'm going to serve as your relationship coach. Is that all right this morning? Not for your relationships with each other. That would require a little more intensive deep dive, okay? But I want to serve this morning as your relationship coach with God. I want to serve this morning as as, uh, someone who's going to coach and lead and teach you how to draw closer and more intimate in your relationship with God. But I don't want to get ahead of myself, so let's jo- let's get in the Scripture, and then we'll come back around to that. Here's the Scripture we're, we're working on today. 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8, says this. Love comes from God. That's pretty amazing right there. We could stop right there. Where, you want to know where love comes from? comes from God. Everybody who loves has been born of God and knows God. That's interesting. Everybody who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love, does not what? If you don't love, it's it's because you don't know God. Because God is love. The essence of God is love. And when you know God, then you love. When you don't know God, then you do not Love. Today, I want to preach for the next few moments on the topic, the effect of intimacy. The effect of intimacy. Let's take a moment. Let's bow our heads. Let's still our hearts and let's pray. God, we do want to draw closer to you today. We're grateful for the opportunity. We're grateful that you're here. We're grateful that you are drawing closer to us as we are drawing closer to you. I pray right now, Lord God, that each and every one of us would Um, Abandon the thoughts and distractions of the day and the week. Abandon the distractions of our phones. Abandon the distractions of our busyness and our worries. Abandon the distractions of our social media. And focus our heart, soul, mind, and body on you for the next few minutes as we seek to draw closer to you in intimate relationship with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen. Uh, I was in my life group this week, and um, I asked Dr. Tamara Brownlee to share with us uh, about some of the influences on her life, people that were in her life that influenced her. Some of you may know Dr. Tamara Brownlee. Uh, She is um, on the worship team down at the Shaw campus. What's up, Shaw? Uh, And she is a member of our ministry council. She is one of the leaders in our congregation. She and her husband, Clarence, have been serving here faithfully for, for many, many years. So, so some of you would know her, um, and everybody down at Shaw knows her. Uh, but what you may not know about her, because she is sup- a super humble person, is that she is one of the most, and this is not me, this is, this, is, this is everybody knows this, one of the most respected healthcare workers on the planet, healthcare leaders on the planet. She is world-renowned in her... Uh, leadership in healthcare. She has degrees from University of Illinois, North uh, Northwestern, Harvard University, little little college you may have heard of. Uh, she's an incredible, incredible leader. She's what's called the Chief Health Officer of a global 500 company, uh, and she oversees the health and well-being of over 720,000 employees at this company. Right. Um, and she's on the worship team at Shaw. Uh, and so I asked her, I said, you know, I would love to know who influenced you, who had an effect on you that, that catalyzed you to pursue what you pursued and to become who you have become. And I didn't expect what she said. She said, you know, who had a, a major impact on me was my childhood pediatrician a woman named Dr. Billy Wright-Adams. Dr. Billy Wright-Adams was a pediatrician on the south side of Chicago, and when Dr. Tam was a little girl, Dr. Billy Wright-Adams was her doctor, her pediatrician. And Dr. Tam had a relationship with Dr. Adams, and by having this relationship with Dr. Adams, there was an effect of that relationship. Right. Dr. Tam, it, it, you know, in, in the south side of Chicago, there weren't a lot of African-American female doctors and pediatricians. So when Tam has a, 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 an African-American woman who's a, a, her doctor, she starts to that kind of starts to shape a little bit of her thoughts. And one of the things that Dr. Tam said is sometimes you have to see before you can be. Sometimes you have to be around somebody so that you can know something so that you can think about yourself in that way. Sometimes you've got to see before you can be. There's an effect of intimacy. Intimacy has an effect. There have been multiple studies on this very simple basic principle. A lot of times when we grow up in youth group or or when we're kids, uh, we'll hear people talk about peer pressure. Peer pressure doesn't stop when you're 16, 17, 18. There's a massive effect of intimacy on your life right now. All of the research that, have, that researchers have done over, over decades have demonstrated that the people you put in your life have a major effect on you. If you have a studious roommate, college students, you will get better grades. Statistically speaking, you will tend to get better grades if you have a studious roommate, whether you selected that roommate or whether you were assigned that roommate. Because there is an effect of intimacy. There's an effect of intimacy. It, families, or couples that are around other couples that are healthy. When you're around other couples who are seeking to encourage and edify one another in their marriage, you will have a better marriage, statistically speaking. You, there's an effect on intimacy. If you have a friend that drinks a lot, you are more likely to drink a lot. If you have a friend that exercises, you will tend to exercise more. It's just, it's, just a, it's just a sociological, it's just a reality because we're social creatures and we are around one another and we affect each other, we impact each other. My dad always used to say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? Because whoever you're around impacts you. There's an effect to intimacy. Now, when we started this series, we learned that the very most important thing that we can do and be as followers of Jesus The most important thing we can do is to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? We studied that the first week. We studied that the first week. Uh, In Deuteronomy, the scripture says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then Jesus adopts that, and he keeps saying that over and over. Every time he's challenged or asked about what's most important, he says, the most important thing is love. Now, as I teach this and preach this, and I think about where you're at, and I think about where I'm at, I think, yes, I, I think most of us buy into that. I think most of us believe that commandment, that the most important thing that we can do is to love God, right? But here's where I'm going to be a relationship coach, because sometimes you have an aspiration that you don't know how to effectuate. In other words, you you strive for something, you want something, but you don't know how to put it into practice. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk us through how do we actually draw closer to God? How do we build a more intimate relationship with God? How do we do that? How do I actually begin to love God more? I want to take us back to the very opening verse that we looked at, 1 John 4, 7. Remember what it says. It says, everyone who loves, what? Knows God, right? Everyone who loves knows God. Whoever does not love does not not know God, right? So what the scripture is showing us is that the key to developing love is proximity and intimacy with God. L- let me show you what the, what the uh, actually, let me, let me just give you, let me give you the, the, the line, the point that I gave you at the very end of last week's sermon, because we're going to use that as a jumping off point. And the point was this, if you want to grow in love, you've got to get closer to its source. Remember that line? If we want to, what the scripture is saying is, if we want to grow in love, we need to draw, we need to know God because to know God is to build love in us because God is love, right? When we lived at our old house, we had that old style radiator heating. Anybody know how the radiator with the water coming through, right? And what I loved about that is on a cold winter morning, the night before, you could take your coat and you just lay it on the radiator. And then in the morning when it was time to head out, you just pick your coat up off that radiator and you slip that coat on And Man, it is like a warm blanket. You walk out feeling warm. Why? Because the heat had gone from the radiator into the coat. The coat had absorbed the heat because of its proximity to the heater, right? And then I was able then to put on that coat which still had the heat from the radiator. In other words, if we want to get close to... The heat we got to get close to the source of heat. If we want to get close to God, we got to get close. We got to get close to the source of love. If we want to have love in our life, we got to get close to the source of love. God is love, so we got to draw close to the source. But how do we do that? How do we do that? Uh, when Jesus uses the word "know," and when the Scripture uses the word "know," this is the word that is used in the Greek. The word is ginosko, which means to know, especially through Personal experience, personal experience, or first-hand acquaintance to experientially know. How many of you know you can know something in your head but not really know it, right? You can know about somebody but not actually know that person, right? You can know about somebody. You can even think you know somebody, but unless you have extensive first-hand knowledge of that person, you don't really know them. If I hire a a lawyer because I've got a legal issue, I want the lawyer to know the law. I don't want the lawyer to have read a book and say, I know about some laws. I want them to know the law. If I go to the doctor, I want the doctor to know medicine. I don't want them to have read a book about medicine and said, yeah, I've read some Wikipedia articles and I think I got this, right? I want them to know it inside. I want them to have firsthand experiential knowledge of medicine. If I go to a mechanic, I want them to know cars. I want them to be a person that says, oh, yeah, I've seen this a thousand times. I've had my hands on a radiator like this. I was going to try to name another part of a car, but I couldn't even think of one. Uh, you know, a turbulator, a carburetor, whatever, whatever. I don't know cars, right? So I can't, I don't, don't, don't hire me to fix your car. <laughs> I can pump gas, okay? So. So there's a big difference between knowing about and knowing, and the difference is the degree of intimacy. That's the difference. So if we want to experience love, if we actually want to love, if we want to be people of love, then we have to know, gnosco, experientially, firsthand know the source of love. We've got to know God. So this is where I'm going to come in as a relationship coach. I'm going to come in and say there are some practices and principles and Disciplines that are taught in the scripture and that have been practiced throughout history that are designed to help you draw closer to God. If you need to get closer to somebody in a relationship, there are practices that you do. There are disciplines that you do right? You got to spend time with the person. You might want to establish a date night. You might want to communicate effectively. You might not want to have toxic um, competition in the relationship. There are a lot of practices and principles that you want to put in place if you want to have a good relationship. It's the same way with God. There are some principles, some disciplines, and some practices. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to do this relatively quickly, but I'm going to give you six, six disciplines that will help you draw closer to God. And here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to to tell yourself that you're going to embrace all six disciplines this week because you won't you will utterly fail you'll dismally fail okay there's your encouragement all right what i want you to do is choose one or two one or two practices that you can put in place this week that will help you draw closer to god and as those disciplines begin to strengthen then you can start adding other disciplines okay how many of you know you need to walk before you can run All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start applying some principles to our life. Here's the first one. The the first one is simply this: speak and listen. Speak and listen. I could say prayer, but I wanted to make it just a little more interesting for you, okay? Speak and listen. Speak to God and listen to God. This is the very first discipline. If you want to begin drawing closer to God, you've got to speak and listen. When Rebecca and I first started dating, she was in Nashville and I was in Phoenix. That was a long-distance relationship, right? We couldn't be in each other's physical proximity. So we would get on the phone. We would have to have a scheduled time to get on the phone because I was in law school at that time, and I had journal, and I'd have to come up because I didn't have data, and I'd have to come up. We had to schedule a time, and we'd get on the phone, and we would spend time talking and listening. That was the only way that we could draw closer with each other. And sometimes we would spend so much talking time talking and listening. Have you ever fallen asleep? Because you've just talked for so long with somebody on the phone. Have you ever had them fall asleep on you? And then you just listen to them breathe and you're like, is this creepy? Or should I hang up? <laughs> I've, I've had so many couples in preparation for marriage. One of the key points that they always tell in their relationship is almost always, not always the case, but almost always the case, is at, at some point, with maybe it was after the first date, maybe it was after the fifth, tenth, whatever they'll say, you know what? Then we just sat up and we talked? We, like, talked all night. I had one couple that said they sat out, they were in theater together at college, and they would go out into the parking lot, and they would lean against the car, and they would talk all night long. And that's how they began to grow in intimacy. If you want to grow in intimacy with God, this is so key. Stake out some time where you can clear all distractions, sit down with God or kneel down with God and speak to Him. And, and as importantly... Listen to him. This is why people don't pray well. This is why people get tired of praying. Because they, they, they monologue, right? And monologuing is boring. It's boring for you to hear your own voice for that long, right? I have to cut it off at 35 minutes. Otherwise, I'll just bore myself up here, right? Um, and when you talk back, it helps me because then we're dialoguing. But, but we are, if we want to draw close to God, we need to speak to him. But then we need to be quiet and listen to him. You know, silence is a vital part of prayer. Sometimes we pray like, God, I need this, I need that, I need you to do this, help me with this, help me to not do that, please help me here, da-da-da-da, boom, bing, bong, bang, I'm done, right? And it's over, right? And God's going, hey, I just, yeah, too late, you've already shut him out, right? Prayer, the actual word that's used in the scripture, prayer, prosuke, means mutual exchange of wishes. That's what it means. It doesn't mean say words to God. It says mutual exchange of, of wishes. What that means is I say, God, um, God uh, can you just please um, help me to be a better father to my children? Now, I can pray that, right? That's a good prayer. But then I need to be quiet because God will say things like um, you need to spend a little more time with them. Then I'll go, wow, okay, yes, Lord, right? I will hear from God. Sometimes it's just, a, just, a, just an impulse, like not necessarily, you know, uh, audible voice, but, but you will be impressed by God leading you and guiding you if you will spend some time in silent listening in prayer. Prosuke, mutual exchange of wishes. Um, I'm gonna give you two verses. Number one from Jesus, John ten twenty seven. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. They, they bleat out, they say, you know, help, help me, right? But then they stop and they listen, and the shepherd says, come over here, and gives them direction. My sheep listen to my voice. John 16, 13 through 14 says this, I love this, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. This is God speaking to you. This is not you speaking to God. Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to guide you. He's going to speak to you. He's going to tell you what is yet to come. And he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. First spiritual discipline, stop, speak, and listen. I want to challenge you. Maybe this is the one for you. This week, carve out some time. Maybe it's five minutes. Maybe it's 10 minutes. Maybe it's 15 minutes. Shut everything out and spend some time with God. Spend some time speaking to Him and then pause and listen. See what happens. Number two, read and reflect. Read and reflect. Read and reflect. Number one, speak and listen. Number two, read and reflect. This week, uh, not this week, about a month ago, I bought a fire pit. I bought a fire pit because fall's coming. I wanted to burn some stuff in the backyard. It's really fun to burn stuff in the backyard. It's just a manly thing to do. If you can't fix cars, you can start a fire. Okay, guys? So, so I got a fire pit, so excited, got it from Home Depot, come home. It's got bags, screws, nuts, bolts, legs, grates, other stuff, mechanical pieces, all kinds of stuff. Go out in the backyard, super excited, putting it all together. About an hour into putting it together, my daughter Eden comes out. She's six years old. And it's not any more put together an hour later than it was an hour prior. There are legs that are sticking out. The grate's not doing. Like, it's not working. And she goes, Dad, what's going on? I go, I don't know. This thing's not working. It's not working. There's something wrong. And you know what she said? She said, Dad, did you read the constructions? (laughs) That's what she calls them. I love it. I will never correct her. Did you read the constructions? And I'm like, no, babe, I didn't read the constructions. It's just a freaking fire pit. How hard can it be, right? Well, Dad, you should probably read the constructions. I'm like, okay, thanks. Go back in the house, talk to your mom. I had to disassemble the dumb thing, read the constructions, and put it back together, right? God's got some constructions for you if you'll read them. Joshua 1.8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it. Read and reflect on it day and night so that you don't build your life upside down and have legs and grates sticking out the wrong direction. <laughs> then you will be prosperous and successful. You've got to read the construction. Spend some time with God. God gave us this word in order, to, in order for us to make our life work correctly. And when we make our life work correctly, it actually draws us closer to Him read the constructions uh, Matthew 4:4 4, 4, man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. if you don't have a Bible, will you just email me Brent at onefamilychurch.com I will put a Bible in the mail I will sign it and send it to you if you if you need scripture and you don't know how to even get started we have a website onefamilychurch.com slash scripture. There are daily verses on there. There's, there's incredible content on there. There's sermons about scripture. There's Bible passages. There are apps. There's so many ways that you can access God's word. I just want to encourage you, if you're not doing that, do that. As your relationship coach, please let me encourage you, get close to God's word. Read and reflect on it. Read the constructions. Amen, somebody? Yeah. Number three, do and don't. Number three is do and don't. Do and don't. This is another way of saying obedience to God. Obey God. Do what he says. Don't do what he says to don't do. Do what he says and avoid those things that he tells you to avoid. Uh, When I was a, um, a, a young associate, I had a partner that I worked for, a guy named Mark Ledlove. Amazing guy, smart guy, wicked smart lawyer, brilliant guy, right? And I was just... A young pup coming up learning how to practice law. And he would tell me, do this and don't do that. File that brief, but don't file that brief. Cite this case, don't cite that case. Right? Do this, don't do that. Now, if I had been brash, I would have said, actually, I'm going to file this brief even though you said don't file it. Well, guess what? That would have turned out bad for me. That would have turned out bad for the client. That would have turned out bad for the firm. It wouldn't have been a good idea, right? If I want to, If I want to learn from him and draw closer to him and get more like him, then I'm going to listen to what he says because he knows more than me. Jesus says this about obedience. I love this. He says, anyone who loves me will what? Obey my teaching. My Father will love them and he will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. That's a powerful statement. He's saying, look, if you, if you love me, then do what I say. Because what I'm saying is good for you. Now, I want to challenge all of us. Maybe this isn't the one you're ready to work on. Maybe, you're gonna, maybe praying and reading the Bible sounds a lot better right now than, than part three, right? But I want to I ask you to examine your life. Is there, a part of, is there an area in your life right now that you are actively, consciously, and willfully in disobedience to God? Don't Please do not raise your hand or tell us what it is. Okay? But if there is, let me just challenge you and encourage you with this. Obey God in that area. Turn that area over to God. Because you will be liberated through your obedience to God. It is not for him to be oppressive to you. It is so that you might have life and that more abundantly. His instructions, his constructions are for your good. They make your life work better. Right? They're for your benefit. So when, whenever I find myself in disobedience to God, then I've got to repent, I've got to confess my disobedience, and then I have to seek, with the help of other people, to align my life and start walking in obedience to God. I just want to challenge you with that today, right? If there's some area of your life where you go, this is actively in disobedience to God's Word, and I know it, then just practice obedience. Now, what will happen, most likely, is that you will begin to walk in it, and then you will stumble. Okay? And then you will get up, and then you will be a little bit better at walking in it. So it's going to be progressive. You're not going to, you're not going to make this commitment today and never sin again. If that's what you're thinking, I just want to, I just want to level your expectations, right? There's a, there's, there's a process to it. But I do want to challenge you. Begin to implement this in your life. Because whatever area it is... If it's in relationships, if it's in finances, if it's in the way you're thinking about life, if it's in the actions that you're saying, if it's in the words that you're speaking at at, at your school, or whatever it is, begin to place that activity under the obedience of God's Word and watch how your life begins to flourish. Amen, somebody? Do and don't. Do and don't. Number four is gather and grow. Gather and grow. I just want to say join a life group. That's the only thing I really want to say about this. Gather with other followers of Jesus and what will happen is that you will grow through your intimacy with them. The effect of gathering with people of God is the growth of love in your heart and in your life. That's the effect. That's the effect. Our, our facilities director bought me something a couple weeks ago. It's a wireless phone charging station. Has anybody ever seen one of these? They're magical. It's magic. Does anybody, like seriously, does anybody not know what this is? Oh, I guess I was the last one. I, I didn't know that these things existed. It's a little charging station. It just sits here on your desk and you just put your phone on it. You don't plug it in, you just sit, sit it on there. Is this not new to anybody else? This is like when I saw Braveheart 20 years later and I was like, that was a good movie, right? Um, so there's a charging station. You put your phone on the charging station and (laughs) you guys already know this but it charges your phone it's like amazing and it's just because it's next to the charging station the charging station is plugged into the wall so it's got a direct source to the power to the electricity but just by proximity your phone begins to absorb the charge That's the way it is when followers of Jesus spend time with each other. You're a remote charging station for somebody else, okay? When you are filled with God's love and God's presence and then you go spend some time with somebody, you will have the effect of emanating God's love onto them. And they will begin to walk away from that relationship going, man, I don't know why I feel better. I just feel better when I'm around that person, right? And if you need that, then I want to challenge you and encourage you, go find a well-charged, wireless remote charging station in the form of another human being, a follower of Jesus, who is following God, and you say, look, I just want to put myself in proximity to you because I want to pick up some of your charge. I love going, this is why I love life groups. This is why I love life groups. I go to life, I have a life group we go to every week. And the reason I love it is because at least in part, people are reflecting, we're image bearers. Image bearers mean that we reflect God's love. We're like a mirror that reflects God's love. God's love shines on us, and it reflects off of us, and then it it hits other people. That's how it works. And so when you are a follower of Jesus, you reflect God's love. Now, part of obedience is to make your mirror as clear as possible so other people can see God's love without all the muddiness of your life in between. Amen, somebody? And what happens is when you put yourself in relationship with other people who are reflecting God's love, that reflection comes upon you, and you begin to absorb some of the warmth and some of the heat and some of the love that they are emanating from God to you. Amen, somebody? So, so gather and grow. Hebrews ten twenty four. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We have that effect, the intimacy. We have that effect. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Onefamilychurch.com slash lifegroups. Find a life group. Find some remote charging stations and put yourself next to them. Start receiving the love and the power and the righteousness of God through brothers and sisters in Christ. All right. Number five. We're going to wrap it up in a minute. Number five is serve and sacrifice. Serve and sacrifice. This is a spiritual discipline that will help you draw closer to God. Serve and sacrifice, and I mean that in terms of your time. The, the old preacher phrase is time, treasure, time, talent, and treasure, right? Spend some time serving people. Use your gifts and your abilities, your talents, to serve people in an area where you're gifted. And make sure that you're giving some of your resources toward the benefit of the body of Christ, so, time, talent, and treasure, serve, and sacrifice. I want to take just a moment because last, last night, as I was finalizing my, my thoughts on this part, I uh, went onto our church's photo database. You guys know these photographers that are roaming around? We have a photography team, they're incredible. Um, and they're just always taking pictures. And now there are like 10,000 pictures. Uh, of, of people just praying and serving and doing all kinds of things. I just want to show you a few of the people that are in the background serving. Can you just put up a few of those? So this is some of our production team serving. We've got another picture of them. This, this is uh, Arthur back there in the back serving behind the scene. People that you might not ever see running cables, running lights, serving behind the scene, running the board down. That's David down at the Shaw campus running that board, listening in real close. What's next? There, this is the, the production suite they're building up in the back. Um, keep going there. Another that's Clarence, that's Tamara's, uh through. There are people serving our children and our babies, holding little babies, taking care of the children of one family church, reading to them, reading uh, and, and praying for them and sharing God's grace with them. I mean, this is where it's at, y'all. This is where it's at. This is where this is where you begin to really grow. This is where you can really reflect God's love. When you are spending time serving other people in an area of your gift, in an area of your talent, and also in private, quietly sharing of your resources to serve the community, to serve the betterment of the people that you are called and that we are called to reach. This is where it happens. This is a spiritual discipline. In Proverbs, it says, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Some will withhold unduly and yet come to poverty. Some will give lavishly and have abundance, right? Those who refresh others will be refreshed. Let me just challenge you and encourage you in this area. If, you are, if your spiritual life, and there's a time for this, if your spiritual life is strictly about absorption, eventually it will become stale. Eventually it will become stale. Because your spiritual the, the, the way the Christian life is designed is to receive in order to give. It's, it's, it's to receive the great blessings and spiritual benefits of God in order to pour it out onto other people, other followers of Jesus and unbelievers and the community around us. That is what we are called to do. Here's how Jesus put it. He said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Wherever you put something that's important to you, whether it's your time, your skill, your money, whatever's important to you, wherever you put that, your heart is going to go towards that thing. If you want your heart to draw closer to God, put your time, your talent, your money into things that glorify and edify God and watch your life draw closer to God. Your tre- that's where your your heart will be also. Nobody can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's Matthew six twenty one through 24. Um, Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to not only take it in, I want you to pour it out. I want you to pour it out because what you do when you do that, your life, this is a a buddy of mine who's a pastor taught me this and I just think it's amazing. Your life, when you give of your time, your talent, your treasure, your resources, whatever, your life gets attached to the thing to which you give. And if that's a big thing, then your life expands exponentially. If that's a small thing then your life shrinks. So if I spend all my time, money, and talent on myself for my own benefit, then the scope of my world is me. That's pretty small. But if I attach it to the kingdom of God, and I serve, and I give, and I spend my time and expend resources attaching my stuff that, that, that I value to the kingdom of God, my life expands by virtue of my attachment to that story, not just my own. Amen, somebody? All right, last one. Number six, rest and repeat. This is, the final, this is the final spiritual discipline in terms of how do we grow closer to God. Rest and repeat. Several, several weeks ago, I joined the gym because I was working out on my own and I was getting injured. And even though I feel like I'm 25, I think I'm 25, my body keeps going, no, bro, no, 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 no. You're 27 is what it says. So... Um, And so I joined, (laughs) I joined the gym and the owner of the gym did an interview on the intake. And it was really interesting because the, you know, the first question he asked me, the first question he asked me, he said, what's your bedtime? What's your bedtime? And I was like, that's a weird and intimate question to ask me. I thought you were going to ask me how much I can bench, bro. I mean, come on. And, um, he said, what's your bedtime? And I was like, well, you know, I have a bedtime. It's around 9-ish, 9.30. Pretty good bedtime. He said, that's the main thing. He said, you've got you've to get rest. Because he said, actually, your muscles grow. Your body reproduces when you're sleeping. When you're working out, your body's being broken down. There are, there are, there are, there are, there are small tears. If you're lifting weights, there are small tears that are happening when you're lifting the weight. And if you just keep lifting weight, you spend all your time under tension, then there's no time for those muscles to heal. So you need to make sure that after you're serving and giving and doing all of these things that we are called to do, that we are also stopping and resting and recovering. Because it's when you're resting and recovering that everything heals. You come back stronger after you've rested. A bodybuilder's muscles grow when they're asleep. They get torn when they're awake and they grow when they're asleep. With rest is when we rebuild, rest is when we revitalize. And so, what I want to challenge us as a spiritual discipline, something to implement in our life, because a lot of times we get super busy and we're working all the time. And what we're saying to God is, I don't trust you enough to rest. Because if I don't control everything and if I'm not working all the time, then everything will fall apart. But when we rest, we say, Oh, wait a minute, you're God. I trust you to handle my downtime I trust you to address the issues that I can't address while I'm resting I trust you to handle the issues that I'm can't that I can't address right now because I'm resting it's a way of honoring God to rest I want to challenge you take a day a day maybe it's Sunday for you it's not Sunday for me for me it's Monday take a day and don't and and rest and rest I would challenge you to get off social media on that day. I would challenge you to not get on your email on that day. I would challenge you to rest your mind on that day, right? Go spend some time with somebody you love. Go read a book. Read the Word of God. Spend some time relaxing and enjoying God on a moment, on a day like that. And just watch how your life begins to flourish, right? Because you're resting and relaxing. Last scripture, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, Jesus said, and I will give you, go on down to Matthew 11. It's a couple slides down. And I will give you rest. Matthew eleven, twenty eight. Not not quite there. Matthew eleven, twenty eight. I just want to I just want to take a moment because there's somebody serving right now. Really, this is his first time serving on this on this on this role. His name's Jameson Rome. He's my thirteen year old son, and he's killing it back there, dude. I love you, man. You're flipping killing it, buddy. <laughs> All you that labor, and I will give you rest. This is how we grow in love. We grow in love through intimacy with God. The effect of intimacy with God is growing in love. As Dr. Tam was finishing her story about the impact of, on her life, she said, You know, not only did she then go to medical school, she said, But after she grew up under the, under the influence of her pediatrician, she said, um, But guess who I trained under? in medical school. Guess who I trained under? She trained under Dr. Billy Adams. So, the effect of intimacy can last a lifetime. The effect of intimacy is that that the, the closer you get to somebody, the more you open your heart and life to somebody, the greater the impact they can have on you. I actually did a little bit of research on Dr. Adams. It turns out that Her father was a country farmer in Bluefield, I think it was, yeah, Bluefield, West Virginia. Out in the country, and he would take, he would take uh, livestock and, 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 and crops in exchange for, for medical services. And that was the influence on Dr. Adams, and that made her believe that she could become a doctor. She went to Howard University, got a medical degree, ultimately became a professor at University of Illinois, where Dr. Tam study medicine because the effect of intimacy just goes on and on and on and on and on and I wonder today how many people Dr. Tam will impact and affect I wonder how many people are looking at Dr. Tam and saying now that I see I can be right now that I see I can be because that's the real effect of intimacy the real effect of intimacy is not only what it does to you but it's on what you then take and do to others, right? So if you want to have a better family, get close to God. If you want to to help your friends at school, get close to God. If you want to transform your job, get close to God. If you want to transform your relationship, get close to God. If you want to transform a city like St. Louis, let's get close to God. Let's draw close to God because the effect of intimacy with God is the emanation of love everywhere we go. And so we're, we're called to be emissaries and ambassadors of love. And the way to do that is to get closer and closer and closer to God. Let us love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all of our strength. Let's pray. We love you, God, and we want to get closer to you and we commit ourselves to taking the steps and exercising the disciplines that will help us to draw closer to you. I pray that each and every one of us today would be willing to take those steps. Maybe not all of them at once, but maybe there's one or two steps or disciplines that we can implement into our life that will allow us to draw closer and closer and closer to you. I pray for each and every one of us today, Lord God, because I know that we long to get closer to you. And I just pray, Lord God, that we would have the spiritual strength by your spirit to do it. Put us, Lord, around and in proximity to people who can emanate your love because they're plugged into your love. Help us to surround ourselves, Lord God, with people who can um, show us how to love God well. We ask, Lord God, that you would strengthen us, fortify us, And walk us deep into your path, we pray in Jesus' name.